guys, okay, I don't want to do this again. I don't want to stand up for again. We know tying, what that's worth, nothing. Okay, losing is worse, but tying is not very good either. Next year, you're all going down. We're going to be, so I'm going to get my head back in the game here when it comes to what's important again, which is the word of God and preaching. So let's pray real quick. God, we love you. We thank you. And we know, dear God, that winning is not the most important thing. <laughs> oh, but truly, Lord, just being able to come on this campus and see so many people enjoying themselves. And God, that is really so awesome. So we praise you and thank you for the fellowship, for the encouragement and for everything that went on, for people being just lifted up and building closer and deeper relationships. And God, we pray that more men would show up next year in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So. All right, so hey, as we continue in this series, Finding Jesus, um, I want to share a story with you. And again, we find ourselves in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. And it says this, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. Okay, now I'm going to pause just for a second before I read on, because I need to um, explain to especially those who are, who are younger, um, I need to explain to you about ancient times. Way back in the ancient times, from like 1960 to 1980, way, way, way on back, right? Parents would actually allow their children to run through the neighborhood with their friends, okay, for long periods of time, not knowing where they were. Right. Parents would let their kids out and they would just go out and they'd be gone for, I mean, seriously, seven, eight hours sometimes. And the parents back in the ancient days, okay, they had ways of calling their children back, okay, to the home. Some would use a bell, right? They would ring a bell. Some of the big bell. They would have bell. That's that's my mom ringing the bell. Or or some would have a whistle and they would hear the whistle and the children would come back. Others, uh, they they would had really strong voices and you knew your mom's voice, your dad's voice, and. He would yell out and you would come back. Others would threaten their offspring, okay, before they left. If they did not return at the appointed time, something might happen to them, okay? That wasn't pleasant. And so the children knew to come home at a certain time. I remember when I was 11, 12 years old, I remember specifically 12 years old, when my, in the summertime, my mom worked full time. It was just me. And I would get up sometimes at five o'clock in the morning, five thirty, and I'd walk six miles to the reservoir. All right. And I would hang out under the bridge with my dog and we would fish from dark until it got dark again. And I walk home again, six miles to my house. And it was there was never really much thought given to it. So things like this way, way back when actually happened. All right. So let me continue the verses here. Let me continue. It says, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. 
And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Now, it is not uncommon, okay, as we walk through the story, it is really not uncommon for you to lose track of your children, especially when you're with relatives or friends and you're in a larger group. Right. And the reason being, and you all know this at a picnic or at some event or family reunion or whatever else, that's easy to happen because you assume someone is watching them. Right. Someone has their eyes, aunts and uncles and grandparents and brothers. And you're assuming that someone's watching the kids. You're talking to aunt whoever or uncle whoever. And, you're, and you, so you but you kind of look around once in a while. But it is easy to lose track of your children because you think someone else is watching them it's like that old saying how do you starve a dog you tell two people to feed it right it's true right you want to kill you want to starve a dog tell two people to feed it because everyone's thinking oh surely that person would feed the dog they're not gonna let the dog starve and you're thinking the same thing surely someone's gonna feed it and so if you tell two people to do a job usually the job's not going to get done The most effective way to get something done is to tell one person to do it. They know it's their responsibility. If you tell me to watch your child, if I'm responsible, if it's my watch, when I'm watching my grandkids, it's like, it's my watch. I I don't want things to happen on my watch, okay? I put them in bubble wrap, okay? I don't don't let them do anything because I don't want anything to happen on my watch. And when it does, I feel horrible. But if I'm sitting with a large group of people, my mind's not focused on all the kids all the time. And so they could easily kind of wander off. It's, it's, it's It's not difficult to lose your child, if you will, when you're surrounded by people that you know or people that you're closer to. Luke tells us the story of Jesus when he's 12 years old. And I'm so glad that he does this because it's the only story in the Bible of Jesus as a little boy, okay, or as a boy. So I, I, just, I just love this story. And, and as we'll soon find out, you know, we learn that Jesus is unique even, even here. Even as a child, if you will, or as a, a young man starting to grow up, Jesus is amazing. He's, he, he's, he's unique. Earlier in, in the book of Luke... Um, In chapter two, verses thirty nine and forty, it says this. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town in Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong and he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. He was unique. He was special. All right. And it it was easy to see even at this point. As we read on, you'll, you'll see why. Mary and Joseph, on the other hand, were just ordinary parents. Now, let me preface that. I know how important Mary was. I know how important Joseph were. And they were amazing, extraordinary people, if you will. Um, but they weren't. Mary's not God and Joseph's not God. And they're not superheroes. They're, they're human beings, okay, with a special task for their lives. So they were, or, they were ordinary parents. I mean, they were ordinary people. 
Well, I think we miss when reading Luke's account is that we, we sometimes think, why would he do that? Jesus was right where he should have been. It was Mary and Joseph who were out of place. That's important for us to understand. Jesus was right where he should have been. It was really Mary and Joseph who were out of place. All male Jews required to attend the temple, all right? They required to attend the temple three times a year. This was extremely difficult for the Jewish people at that time because they were scattered all over the Roman world and beyond. So what usually happened was that they would try to get there once a year. They would try to get to the temple once a year. When they left to return home, so they all try to get there. You get mass loads of people, all right? They're at the temple and they're doing, you know, they're doing what God has called them to do. And so they're at the temple and now they're going to return home. And we know from history, all right, that in some cases, the women and children would begin the journey. And then not soon after, the men would then follow right behind. So with the, with the bigger boys, all right? So you have the women and the children leaving a little early and the men just kind of taking up the rear and they would follow with, uh, with, the, with, the, with the bigger boys. So it would be easy for you as a parent, it would be easy for you as a parent to think to yourself, well, the other spouse has the child, Right? The other spouse, for sure, has the child. Especially, think about a 12-year-old. Okay, this is not a toddler. We're talking about a 12-year-old. So they take off, you know, in some cases, the women would leave a little earlier, the men would follow. So it would be easy to think that your, your spouse had the child. Or, because you're with relatives, you're with acquaintances, right? And you're with, you're with your people. You're with the nation. You're with your people. So it's not like, oh, someone's going to grab my kid. So it, it would be easy. It would be easy for you to think, oh, he's he's with his friends or he's with the men or he's with he's with the women. Or, and it would be easy for you to, to, to journey off and then realize, uh oh, um, we're missing we're missing someone. They look for Jesus. Everywhere they thought they're just, they, you know, they, once they found out, once they found out that Jesus was missing, okay, they go back to Jerusalem and they start looking for Jesus everywhere you think their 12 year old boy would be. So they go through all, you know, where, where, did he, where did he hang out when he was here? Who did he like to talk to? What are some of the things that, that, that he did? So let's go back and check all those places out. They did exactly what every normal parent would do. They kind of checked, they were checking out all the little, the hangouts where, where a 12 year old may have hang out. Now, can you imagine, can you imagine what they felt like when they journeyed and all of a sudden they came together and realized they were together and, and, and they were saying, okay, well, it's time to bed down. Where's Jesus? Can you imagine what they felt like when they realized he was gone? They're, they're into this journey. They're a day into this journey. Right. And you realize I could just imagine the conversations between Mary and Joseph. Right. Joseph first saying, well, I thought you said you knew where he was. I thought you, you I, I thought we talked and said you knew where he was. And Mary would be like, whoa, wait a second. I specifically asked you if you knew where he was and you started to nod. 
right? You were nodding. I think you were nodding. Well, we all know, don't trust the man's nod, all right? He could be completely gone, and he's still going to nod sometimes when people ask him something. It's just like this. It's like the dog in the window. You know what I'm saying? He just nods. He just nodded. He doesn't know what's going on. So Mary basically probably reacts and says, do you understand what you've done? You've lost the Son of God. Okay? You not only lost our child, you lost the Son of God. And Joseph's like, what are you talking about, woman? I didn't lose the Son of God. You lost the Son of God. And so, because you know, they know who Jesus is, if you will. Okay? The angel came. We know the story. The angel came. So Mary's not like, well, you know, this is not only her child. This is not only their child. This is God's son. This is the Son of God. And now he's lost. Okay, they didn't have the big picture, the whole picture of exactly how this is all going to transpire in the future, but they knew something big was going to transpire. All right. And now you lost them. So, so now you've got to track back home. All right, I'm sorry, back to Jerusalem and try to find Jesus. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how they were feeling as they were searching for three days for the little boy? What they were what, what they were going through when they, they started asking everyone, you know, well, you know, the first probably started with the people they were closest to. Right. Have you seen him? Have you seen him? No, we haven't seen him. And then they go to the rest of the relatives. And they, have you seen him? No, we haven't seen him. They go to acquaintances and they go back and and they start asking. They I guarantee they're just asking anyone now they're running into. Have you seen a little 12 year old boy? Right. Have you seen him? And they're probably people said I'm, this is just me. They probably said, what does he look like? And they were like, oh, let me think. Well, he had no beauty or majesty to attract you to him, most likely. No, nothing in his appearance that you should desire him. And that's actually a joke, but you'll get it later. Go read Isaiah 53. Go read Isaiah 53, and you'll laugh later on today. So that's my joke. All right, so that's what they said. And they're probably wondering, what, you know, where, where is he? You know? And they couldn't find him. He was, he was gone. And you can just imagine, they must have felt completely Awful, awful. See, up to this point, Jesus was doing all the good things that a young Jewish boy would do. He did everything a good little Jewish boy would do. But at 12 years old, he begins to change. He begins to mature. Okay, there's, there's something that happens now in culture, in Jewish culture, between 12 and 13 years old. When a Jewish boy turns 13 years old, alright, when he turns 13, they're involved in what's called a bar mitzvah. Alright? So they have, a, they, they have this bar mitzvah, which officially makes a Jewish boy a son of the covenant. This is a big deal from 12 to 13 years old. So they become a son of the covenant. Now, this is really, this was interesting to me when um, my son Joshua was born in Mexico. And we adopted him. And a few years, just a few years ago, he was saying, hey, I would, I'd like to do like a DNA test to find out where we genetically overlap. Like where, where in the world, you know, the differences and things like that. So we all spit in a little thing and sent it off and they look at your DNA. And it was really interesting when it came back. We found out that he, he, of course, born in Mexico. So you would assume, you know, native Mexican. He was only 13% Native Mexican, like Native American, 13%. He was 59% Spanish, no surprise to you, to you if you've seen him. 59% Spanish, but he was 18% Jewish. 
He's 18% Jewish. So Josh is more Jewish than he is Mexican, if you will. All right. So, so what does the, what does the, what a boy his age say when he finds out he's, he's 18% Jewish? First thing, one of the first things he said is, I want a bar mitzvah. You know what I mean? I want a, ah, I should have a bar mitzvah. You know, because he's thinking about, oh man, that's like a second birthday or something. I've heard about bar mitzvahs, right? And so we sat down and I explained to him, what was in, what did it, what a bar mitzvah entailed, okay? What went along? You have to, you have to memorize this and you gotta know that and you have to, and I went through all the explanation of what a bar mitzvah was and he thought for a second, he thought, well, I, then I want a Spanish bar mitzvah. I want to have a Spanish bar mitzvah and that way he, he figured I could still get the presents but not have to do the work. Alright? So, so there, there's the mindset of a, if you will, 11 or 12 year old. So let me read, let me go back and read to you Luke 2.41. It says this, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the first, at the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. Alright? The Passover prior to a boy's 13 year, 13th year is extremely important because it was really a time of, of training where 13 year old boys began to think less like a child and more like an adult. All right. And they were, that was the expectation too. not only was it probably physical, but it was also it was also expected as a culture. They began to think more like an adult and less like a child. They were morally and ethically responsible for their decisions and their, their, their choices and their actions. OK, so now ethically, morally responsible for what goes on in their in their lives. Before we move on, I need to hit you with two other quick uh, things. We've got to clear, make sure this is clear. I don't want anybody thinking the wrong thing. Number one, Jesus was not disobedient to his parents in this story. Okay? He wasn't just, Jesus never sinned. This was not sin in his life. You think, well, man, he messed up there. Right? We have a parent. No, Jesus was not disobedient to his parents. That's number one. Number two, Mary and Joseph were not irresponsible parents. They were not, you can easily see how this story could come about and how this could happen. Part of the change, part of the change for Jesus was that he was now, that he was now shifting, okay, shifting from being obedient to his earthly father to being obedient to his heavenly father. Okay, just theologically. All right, we begin to see Jesus changing from a child into a young man and becoming more obedient to his heavenly father, understanding that was the importance of that. And so now, now you say, well, he's not obedient to his earthly father. And that doesn't mean that Jesus became dis- a teenager, became disrespect. Not at all. Jesus was still respectful and obedient to his earthly parents. But it was absolutely clear absolutely clear who his greatest love and influence was okay absolutely clear you know when and for all of us we should have the same thing we have our wives we have our husbands we have our children we have our our parents we have all this but you know your greatest love should be god our my greatest love should be god then comes my family but my greatest love is god and jesus Greatest love. There was no misunderstanding here. His greatest love, okay, and his greatest influence was his heavenly father. 
So Mary and Joseph finally enter the temple. They, they're searching. They're looking around. They're where did you, did you know where he is? And, here, and finally they walk into the temple. And what do they find? They finally they, they find Jesus sitting among the teachers in the temple. OK, listening to them and asking them questions. So you've been searching, searching, thinking, where did he go over here? Is he playing a game over here? Is he what's doing? No, Jesus has spent the last three days. OK, in the temple listening to the teachers and asking them questions. Before we move on, I need to give you a little bit of a history lesson because when it comes to custom, okay, how things are specifically done, in Jewish custom, there were rules for your question and answer time with the teachers, okay? And the rules were basically... They ask the questions and you answer the questions. Those are pretty much the rules. They ask them, you answer them. It was a, it was a little bit like if you go to Oxford University, right? And they, you want to write a thesis or you want to write, they're asking you to write some specific paper on some, some specific subject. And what they'll do is they'll give you the topic. You'll write that paper. They'll explain what they want. And when you're finished writing, you give it back to them. They mark it up. Okay. They'll show you, they'll say, okay, here's what you need to correct. We would like you to strengthen your paper even more and then they'll give it back to you you write it all out and then you give it back to them and it goes back and forth until you get a product okay that's acceptable to the teacher in in jewish culture here the teacher would would rephrase the question or ask new questions, ask another question to the student to find out how well the student understood and was assimilating the material that was being given. Okay, so that would what would be happening to a young man or even a young woman, whatever. If they come, they would be asked questions. The questions would be rephrased to make sure that the students understood and were assimilating the information, assimilating the material. Can just for the fun of it, can you imagine okay can you imagine the kind of questions that jesus was asking first off you're asking him questions can you imagine his answers to the question right you get we get we we get nervous right when we say we're going to share our faith and what if someone asked me a question i don't know the answer can you just imagine the questions that jesus asked the bible says sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Uh, There were two things that amazed the teachers. One would be the answers that Jesus gave to their questions. So now you're, you're quizzing the Son of God, okay? Jesus is fully God and fully man, regardless of how old he is, okay? Fully God and fully man. Obviously, as he grew, all right, changes went on. Fully God. Can you imagine... Asking Jesus a question, can you imagine the answers that you would get from the Son of God? Then they were absolutely amazed at the questions he was asking them. Can you imagine his, uh, you know, now they said something and now he's asking a question. That, I mean, that would boggle your, the intellectual, the theological, okay, knowledge that he would have in interacting with them. After his question and answer time, the teachers were left literally scratching their heads in amazement. They were absolutely amazed because they had never experienced in their entire lives a 12-year-old boy being able to respond to them the way Jesus was responding. Spending time with them, interacting with them. 
So they had never experienced, they had never experienced this before from a 12 year old. So then Luke gives us a glimpse into the mind and the heart of Jesus in this story. He gives us a glimpse into the mind and the heart of Jesus. Okay. First, Jesus devotion. We are, we as the body, we should be devoted to God. What an incredible example. He has three days, okay, to do pretty much his parents aren't around. He's not thinking, what can I eat that they don't want me to eat? What can I, where can I go that they don't want me to go? Who can I hang out with they don't want me to hang out with? You know, I mean, I'm free, whatever the case may be. But what did Jesus do? He's, he's devoted. This is a story about Jesus' devotion, his outright devotion to be in the presence of God. Right? Remember that book, Practicing His Presence, we went through this year? This is, is, this is it, guys. Three days. Where is he? He's in the temple, devoted to God the Father, wanting to be in the presence of God. Second is the wisdom it shows us. It gets us into the mind and heart of Jesus. His wisdom. They were awed by what he was saying. They were awed by what he knew. They were awed by the way he answered and asked questions. They were in awe. And then also on top of that, his awareness at his age of who he was. Jesus was aware of who he was. Jesus knew at 12 years old what he was sent to do. Most people in the world don't know their purpose ever. Jesus at 12 years old understood He understood. Jesus knew who he was. So Jesus was left alone for three days and he spent time doing, honestly, what he had been doing for eternity. He spent time doing what he was born to do. Engaged with the Father, spending time with the Father. That was his heart. That's what Jesus wanted. He wanted to spend time with the Father. He wanted to be in the presence of the Father. That was Jesus' ultimate desire. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 48 and 49, it says, And when his parents saw him, okay, he's sitting there, they were astonished. They were astonished. And his mother said to him, so now she, now she sees three days. Okay, let's just put yourself. Mary is a mother. Okay, she's his mom. And then you got Joseph is, you know, is not his, you know, you know, his dad. Okay. So Mary's his mom. So she sees him. She's astonished. And she says to him, son, why have you treated us so? So she first sees him. It's like, he's, there he is. Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Why were you, why, why did it take you, honestly, why did it take you so long? He said, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Or some, some versions you may have say in my, about my father's business. Well, same thing, same exact thing. Did you not know where I would be? I mean, I got three days. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, you left. I'm, I'm going to go to the temple. I'm going to be interacting with the, the teachers. I'm going to be spending time in the presence of, of God. See, it seems like Mary and Joseph reacted the same way most parents. Honestly, we and I've talked to people at their first service. They're saying, yep, yep, that's exactly how I would react. Like most parents would react. 
in those situations, they finally find their child and their, it's like this, their, their emotions run wild, if you will. First, what, what would happen, right? First, you walk in and finally, after all that time, you see him. There he is. He's, he's sitting over there and he's interacting with all the teachers. And it's like, oh, this happiness, this just, you're elated with joy. Oh, this is great. And then the relief, right? And then you're like emotional. You might even cry. I've seen this happen with, uh, this happened to me. I've seen it happen with other parents. You see your child and you thought they were in all of a sudden you're like, ah, then you're, then you let down your guard because you're just relieved that it's, it's over and you found them. I don't care if it took you, it took you 20 seconds. You're still, and sometimes the emotions take over and the relief and you start to cry. And then what happens with parents was they get angry because why would son, why would you do this? How would you, why would you walk off and blah, blah, blah. Didn't you know I told you whatever else. And then would swing back to happiness and just relief that you have your child. And she's going through all, Mary seemed to experience the same flood of emotions. Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Okay, so something struck me about as I'm going through this sermon, I'm reading through this and I'm reading through this text and I'm studying this passage. Something struck me that I want to I want you all to think about. And it's something I needed to think about as well. Why is it that we search so passionately for Jesus when things are going wrong or things are really difficult? Think about that. Why that your greatest search for God, your greatest when you really pray, when you really grab your Bible, when you really start asking questions, when you do that normally when things are going wrong or things are really difficult in your life. And I, I, I have to ask myself, why do I do that? Why? Why? Why do I do that? See, here's the thing. We let Jesus, we let Jesus drift away for long periods of time. We let him, we let literally let Jesus drift away for long periods of time. We don't seem to take advantage of the fact that he's with us always. Like he's here with us. He's with us right now. He's right. He lives in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Jesus lives. He's a part of our lives. But we, when things are going well, when things are going well, we let him drift away for long periods of time. And we don't take advantage of the fact that we could just sit at his feet and learn some really important things for him during those times. Why is it that when we go through a time of peace or serenity or or calm, um, when things are when, when things are going right, why don't we take advantage? Why don't we take advantage of those times learning? Think about it. Learning how I can become more patient and more loving and more kind, and more disciplined. I could work on my temper. I could work on my, this issue over here, or that issue over there. Whatever, you pick it. Pick your issue. But, but when things are going really rough, then all of a sudden we, we well, go to the feet of Jesus, or go to find, where's Jesus? i got to find Jesus. Because we've basically, in a sense, walked away, if you will. Why don't we take advantage of the times, those times of peace? We could just sit at the feet of Jesus and learn what it means to be patient and loving and kind. Instead, we wait until things go wrong to start searching for him. The series is about finding Jesus. Remember, he, he hasn't gone anywhere. 
So we got to, that's something so important for each one of us to kind of process through in our minds. Mary said, behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Been searching for you in great distress. Remember what I said earlier. Jesus was right where he should have been. It was Mary and Joseph who were out of place. Jesus was right exactly where he should have been. It was Mary and Joseph who were out of place. When you get into trouble and you listen, when you get into trouble and you start asking God, God, where are you? God, where are you? Remember, you're the one who moved. You're the one. I'm the one. I'm the one who's out of place. I'm the one who moved. I'm the one who's out of place. Jesus is always right where he should be. Mary and Joseph, Mary and Joseph were the ones who moved away from Jesus. They're the ones who moved away, had to come back and find him. Jesus is always right where he should be. He's always right there with us. Someone said on the way out, they said to me, that just reminded me of the footprints in the sand, right? Lord, man, I was walking. I, I see times when the footprints and there was only one set of footprints. Where were you, right? And what does Jesus say? I was carrying you. I'm right where I should have been. I was carrying you. So when we say, where is God? Remember, we're the ones who moved. We're the ones who are out of place. Jesus is always where he should be. So Luke tells us, Luke, Luke tells us that his parents, his parents were absolutely astonished, right? At the sight of Jesus sitting in the temple, talking with and, you know, interacting with the teacher. So he was, it was, they, they were astonished by that because he's asking questions. And, and then, and something amazing happens. We find we have the first recorded words from the mouth of Jesus, the first recorded words from the mouth of Jesus. And I will tell you what those words were and what they mean next week. All right. So let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. God, thank you so much for this great, great day. And Lord, I just seriously, I enjoyed this sermon, just studying it, preaching it learning about, learning things for myself. It is just a joy. And so, Father, thank you for that. God, help each one of us, if we walk out of here with nothing else, help us to realize that we do what I said we were doing earlier. We, we're really poor when it comes to sitting at your feet and just learning during the good times, during the, the, the quiet times, during the peaceful times, during the, the, the relaxing times. We're, we're really poor at doing that. Help us to stop doing that, Lord. Help us to sit at your feet at all times and just learn from you. We have problems that we know are personality issues, things we struggle with. Help us to sit at your feet and learn those things before we get ourselves into trouble, before they lead us down the wrong path. And Lord God, rescue us when we do make those mistakes. But help us to please learn from from this story that we need to be walking close with you and we need to be learning from you and that we need to be in the presence of the Father as much as we can. Our desire should be to be in the presence of the Father like it was your desire. So give us wisdom, give us discernment, help us, Lord, to learn from you how we can draw closer to the Father. We love you, we praise you for your example in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Have an awesome day. Have an awesome day.